This is episode number 254 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey, welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. So we often hear the term, know your audience, but what the heck does that really mean? So on this episode, I'm going to take you through a step-by-step process to really help you customize every speech to the specific needs of the audience in which you are presenting to. So basically, there's four quick things that you really need to know about your audience before you start designing your slideshow or trying to figure out what the heck you're going to say. And we're going to go into great detail on that four-step process. However, there is a fifth thing that I'm going to talk about in the last 15, 20 minutes or so of the episode that is actually even more important than that. It's the emotional motive that the audience member has for actually being in the meeting in the first place. And once you understand that concept, your audiences are going to love your presentations. By the way, if you are enjoying the episodes, I need a favor from you, please. Would you mind taking a few seconds and leaving me a review on your podcast app? For instance, on Apple Podcast, if you go down to the show's main page, you can scroll down until you see the review section. Just leave a review, letting folks know what you think about the show. Uh, by the way, the show and all of the great content that we put out every week is absolutely free, and your reviews help us keep it that way. So this helps the show so much. It allows us to reach more people. So I really, really appreciate that help. By the way, the episode is sponsored by fearlesspresentations.com. So if you're looking for a faster way to reduce public speaking fear, we've got two-day public speaking classes coming up in cities like Atlanta, Minneapolis, Miami, Washington, D.C., Boston, Salt Lake City, Houston, Tampa, Denver, Phoenix, San Francisco, Charlotte, St. Louis, and Chicago. So for details, just go to fearlesspresentations.com. All right, so let's get on with today's lesson. So our topic today is how to really know your audience before you actually start designing your presentation. Um, if you listen to any speaking coach or go to any Toastmasters, Toastmasters group or attend a presentation seminar, you're going to hear a single phrase over and over again. They're going to say things like, you really have to know your audience. And it sounds really good, by the way. Um, when you hear that phrase, you're, oftentimes people are going to think, well, yeah, of course. I mean, that makes total sense. But what exactly does know your audience actually mean? Is there a, is there a formula to help a speaker know his or her audience better? Well, as a matter of fact, yes, there is. And in fact, every single presenter should use this formula before creating any speech or any PowerPoint slide or slideshow, because the answers that you're going to get from following the formula that I'm going to lay out to you today will greatly change the content that you cover in your presentation. The answers will also allow you to change your delivery so that your audience is more likely to agree with you. Basically, they're going to buy what you're, you're selling to them. Um, and by the way, don't let that word throw you off. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll say, you know, selling or sales, and it will, it will kind of really cause people, it'll, it'll throw people for a loop. 
you have to remember that every, the, perp, the primary purpose anyway of most presentations is to sell something. Now, there are presentations out there where you're just giving information, but even in informational presentations where you're trying to convey data or convey technology or information to an audience, in a lot of cases, the reason why you're conveying that information to them is you want them to do something with that information. Otherwise, what's the purpose of it, right? So if you think about it, most presenters, you know, we we design presentations in order to get the audience to do something or to think differently about whatever it is that, that we're presenting to them. You may not be selling a tangible item or 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 even a service, but you're at least selling an idea that you're trying to get the audience to agree with. Um, it's funny because earlier this week here at my office, I had one of my instructors, one of one of our, our very best instructors that said something to me that was, it just made me very sad when she said it. She said, you know what? I don't think I'm really good at selling. And that phrase made me sad for a couple of reasons. First, because selling or persuading is absolutely by far the most important skill to success and happiness just in in just about everything that you do. And then second, this particular person who told me this, she is actually one of the most persuasive people that I know. The reason that she it's the reason why, you know, she's a she's a natural salesperson is because she focuses entirely on helping her audience get what they need. She doesn't focus on what she wants, and that's what makes her really really good at what she does. And, and I think a lot of people today really misunderstand the entire concept of selling. For some reason, we see the, the word salesperson as somebody who, you know, takes from others. And, and in fact, the opposite is true. A good salesperson, a good presenter, by the way, helps his or her audience solve problems. They're giving to their audience. Um, I'll give you an example of this kind of in real life. My wife and I, mostly my wife, by the way, recently we hired a new uh, a person to do our, our yard work for us. Uh, Raymond, well, we hired him. Um, and basically, um, one of the reasons why we hired him was because I needed my Saturdays back, right? I mean, I'm pretty busy. And so uh, we we actually had a service for a while and then we kind of let it expire. I like, know ah, I can do it, right? And of course, my son's getting older and he was doing the yard and and he and I would kind of go out. And then my wife started when I got busy, she'd go out and, and I would go out and mow the lawn and all that kind of stuff, right? So it became kind of a hassle. So basically, we thought, hey, maybe it's time to, to kind of get a service again. Um, and so Raymond, the guy that we hired, he offered a service that solved this problem. For me. I wanted my Saturdays back. He offered a service that would allow me to get my Saturdays back and make me not feel as guilty, right? So um, we bought that service, right? Um, and by the way, Raymond, he probably doesn't see himself as being a salesperson. In fact, um, if you think about it, he could be the absolute best landscaping person in the business. But if he can't sell, he's out of business. The same goes for every dentist, every medical doctor, every attorney, every architect, every accountant, all these professional people don't really think of themselves as being salespeople, but really nothing happens in business until somebody sells something. So if you kind of keep that in mind, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of see that, hey, we're all salespeople and we're all trying to get our ideas across in a way that allows the people in our audience to, to win by getting the information that we're providing to them. So with all that being said, there are actually four things that you need to know about your audience before you try to, to sell an idea to them or try to persuade them. And the four things, by the way, um, are uh, these are these are things that 
a lot of salespeople know, and they're, uh, but a lot of us that maybe aren't are outside of sales, but doing persuasive presentations, they don't necessarily come as natural. So you'll kind of see an overlap. If you have a sales background, you'll start to see some of these things and go, oh, God, that totally makes sense. If you don't have a sales background, then this could be some really great information to help you design your presentations in a way that makes them more persuasive. So, so um, the basically, the concept of know your audience, like we talked about before, can be very confusing. You know, when a lot of presenters hear this, they think of it in context of what not to say versus of presentation design. You know, for instance, I shouldn't tell an off-color joke in church. Right? So you got to know your audience. So, and and this is, you know, it's um, another another um, uh, alteration that we might make would be say something like say I'm speaking to a very technical audience. So if I'm speaking to a very technical audience, I need to cover lots of details because that's what they really love. Or this audience of executive just wants the overview; they don't want any details. All of these alterations, although possibly valid are pretty superficial and they really miss the point of the full concept of knowing your audience. Basically to really know your audience, there, there are really four things that you really need to uncover in order to be able to design the presentation specifically for those needs. So the first thing is you got to know what the primary problem is that your audience is trying to solve. That's going to be really key. We'll, we'll kind of talk about each one of these in a little bit more detail, but let me kind of give you the overview first. So next, the second thing is that you want to identify what the non-negotiable items are that your audience requires. There are certain things in this solution that your audience is going to require and, and they're non-negotiable. So if they're not there, they're, they're not going to buy into what you're saying. And third, you have to try to identify any additional items that your audience might want, want but they're not going to make or break the agreement, right? So these are kind of what we call deal sweeteners. These are things that if they're if they're there, then people go, oh, okay, great. Well, that's even better than what I thought it was going to be. And then finally, this is the last one and really the most critical one. This is the one we're going to end on today is you got to find out the emotional motive that would cause your audience to take action or to agree with you. And that's the thing that once you kind of get to that point, your presentation is going to be very, very persuasive. So when you start designing a presentation, we often don't, we, we haven't really thought through the answers to all of these questions. So often we have to alter and then adjust on the fly as we discover more about our audience. Um, so, you know, a lot of times when we start to design the presentation, we're working off of limited information. We're not going to have the answer to every single question. And so we have to kind of guess a little bit. But as we start to uncover details about the true wants and needs of our audience, then we can we can make it a little bit more um, credible, a, a little bit more applicable to what they want. But if you ask the right questions to the right people ahead of time, you're going to have fewer of these adjustments, by the way. So basically doing a little bit of research up front about who your audience is can actually make it to where you have to make fewer of those adjustments along the way. So let's talk about that very first thing that I talked about. First, you have to know the primary problem that your audience is trying to solve. So I remember my very first sales course that I ever attended, the, the instructor started the class by saying, by the way, I've heard this a lot, so I don't think he actually made this up, but it's one of those things that gets repeated over and over again in sales training, but it's still kind of funny and, and pretty applicable even today. He said, last year, one million quarter inch drill bits were sold. 
None of the people who bought those drill bits wanted a quarter a quarter inch drill bit, by the way. And then he paused dramatically. And then he finished up by saying what all those people wanted was a quarter inch hole. And at the time, I remember thinking, what the heck is the difference? You know, because being new to sales and being new to presenting at the time, um, I, I didn't really comprehend what he was trying to get across. It was a good analogy, but it didn't really tie it into reality much. And it wasn't until like much, much, much later that I really understood the brilliance of that concept that he was trying to teach. Um, most people, by the way, all people probably are pretty self-centered. <laughs> you know, we think about ourselves we are con- way more concerned about our own personal problems than your problems. That's what most people do, right? So for instance, let's say that a software engineer gives a report about a software update. Well, that engineer can meticulously go through every single item that uh, that her, her team updated in this new release, the new software release. However, if she did that, she'd just be talking about the drill bit, right? The audience, you know, that that person, that setting in the audience anyway, would be thinking, I don't really care about your stupid drill bit, or I don't really care about your stupid update. What the heck does that have to do with me, right? On the other hand, if the engineer first thought about the problems that her specific audience was experiencing, the presentation becomes more interesting. So the engineering team uh, didn't just, they didn't just pick random items to update. They chose items that were causing problems for the people in the audience, the people that were actually using the software. For example, the old software layout, um, she could say something like, you know, the old software layout caused you to have to re-enter data in multiple places. Well, this update does that for you, which saves you time, right? So this version, that, that second phrase that she would have said, the one that I just kind of mentioned, that that shows the the hole. It shows the quarter inch hole. It doesn't show the drill bit. It's not that the update isn't what's important. It's what that update will do. Um, so the, that's really one of the more important things to kind of keep in mind is that every single person in your audience has a specific problem that your solution or your concept may help them avoid and or fix. And if you can kind of show them that your solution fixes the problem that they have, they'll be on board. So that's number one. That's the the first step is you got to figure out what the problem is that the people in the audience are facing and show how your information will help them solve that problem. So the second piece of information that you need to know about your audience is that you want to identify what we call the non-negotiable items. That those are the things that your your audience is going to require from your solution. And anytime, by the way, this is true of anything that you buy. But anytime a person buys something, it could be an item, a service, an idea. You know, if you're trying to persuade somebody that any anytime somebody buys any of those things, that person creates a list of non-negotiable items in his or her head. Sometimes they might write it out, but that's really rare. Most of the time it's kind of in our head where we say, it's got to be this, it's got to be this, and we got it's got to be this. If it's not those three things, I don't even care. Don't even bother showing it to me, right? So these are the things that the buyer requires from the item, the service, or the idea. If any of those things are not present, the buyer is not going to purchase that thing. They're not going to agree with the presenter. So sometimes they, they like I said, they create that written list. Most often though, the person will not take a lot of mental effort to clarify that list. They don't even think about it. They, they don't have that mental checklist kind of written out or created thoroughly. So a good salesperson, a good presenter 
can really help the people in his or her audience create that list based on the presentation or during the presentation. For instance, let's say that a family wants new living living room furniture. I mean, something totally unrelated to presenting or presentations. Let's just say something really simple, like we're, we need new living room furniture. Now, that family's primary problem might just be something simple as the current furniture is dated. So they want to get something new, right? That's basically the reason they go into a furniture store. If If they create no additional buying criteria, though, then that process of finding the perfect furniture is going to be pretty difficult. They'll they'll have an enormous number of choices. Um, So so maybe a a, a good first step might be that they start by measuring the space, right? They, They may also look at the current color scheme of the living room. So they want to kind of match the current scheme so they don't have to replace everything in the living room. So in addition they may decide that the current furniture has the focused around uh, it's focused around the, the TV and mom wants the family to do projects together instead. Nobody really watches the TV anyway anymore. So she wants to make the, the center table, the focus. So basically what's, what's happening is as they kind of think about it, or uh, sometimes if the, um, the salesperson at the furniture store ask additional questions, you may be able to get the family to kind of clarify what their criteria are. So all of these items once they're identified, become non-negotiable, you know? So if, like, for instance, if the furniture is too big, we can't buy it. <laughs> if the, the, the furniture must fit our current color scheme, it must fit the space that we have. You know, we don't want to have to replace the carpet or the rug or something like that. So the point is, is that most people walk into a furniture store having not physically created a list ahead of time. And usually questions from the salesperson helps that family clarify these things. And you want to play the same role with your audience. Basically, what you can do is during your presentation, you're bringing up things that prompt questions in the mind of that of the people in the audience in order to kind of help them determine what this criteria is. And when you do that, you're going to have a much more interactive and a much more impactful presentation for the people that are in your audience. So let me give you a case study about how a presentation team got to know the audience better, really, than the audience even knew themselves. Um, years ago, I was helping a team create a presentation to a school board. They were they were uh, the school board was building a new high school in the in the school district, and before this team brought me in to help them, they organized their entire presentation around themselves. They talked about their years of experience and how qualified their team was and how many high schools that they had built. And and they created a pretty good presentation, but it was really presenter focused versus audience focused. It really wasn't helping that school board solve any problems that they that they that were important to them. It was really all about the presenters. It was all about the the company. So I asked them uh, just I asked this team a really simple question. I said, what do the members of this school board really want? <laughs> and the answer I got was a new high school, right? Which is, if you go back to the example, that's the drill bit, you know, the drill bit. I, I ask clarifying questions, though, because it's really not about the drill bit. It's about the whole, right? So why do they need a new school? So I asked that clarifying question. And once I asked that, they had to think for a second. And then one of the team members kind of responded with, well, the current school is overcrowded. Right. So now we've got the whole. That's the that's the quarter inch hole now. 
that that's the primary problem. The current high school is overcrowded. So once we uncover that true problem, then identifying the buying create, uh, criteria got a little easier. You know, once you identify what that problem is, it becomes easier to kind of uncover what is going to be their primary criteria for for that that purchase. So I asked the group for their thoughts on what that criteria of the board might be. You know, what what things might they use to make the decision on who they give this project to? And um, the the criteria number one, the very first thing was absolutely unanimous. It was like when I asked that question, every one of them kind of answered at the same time. They all said price. And the reason why is because the city floated a bond for this specific project for a specific amount. And if the price of the new building exceeded that bond amount, then they couldn't buy it. That's a non-negotiable, right? So um, a major portion of the team, by the way, agreed that the second non-negotiable was the schedule, because if they couldn't finish building the the high school by the 1st of August, then the district would lose an entire school year of use, you know, because that's when the school year starts. So if they if they couldn't if they couldn't have the building completed by the the start of that next school year, then then that was pretty bad. And so schedule was going to be pretty important to them. Then the they the team kind of continued to add items that included things like safety and maintenance costs and environmental issues. But keep in mind that they they created the entire list without any input from the school board. They were just guessing. So to verify the items, they sent the list to their contact with the district. And then they just asked the, the contact to rate, to rank the, the list of items in the order of importance. It worked like a charm. They basically, um, the the um, the contact kind of came back and, and the top two things were number one and number two, but the order of the pre of the, the remaining items were, were a little bit different than what they expected. And so they focused on the things that are most important. So you can kind of do the same thing in your presentations. Once you identify what the primary problem is, you can say, okay, just based on what I know about this audience, what would be their criteria? What are the things that they're going to be most important to these, these folks? And sometimes it's going to be a guess, but if you are able to kind of go back to at least segments of that audience and kind of ask them ahead of time, sometimes they can help you clarify the, the, the content that you cover in that presentation. So the third thing that you want to try to do is identify any additional items that the audience may want, but whether they're there or not won't make or break the agreement. They're not going to agree with you just because you have that. But if you do have this in there, it might be a nice kind of what I call deal sweetener. So the audience may want certain things that that, that aren't really a requirement. However, if the solution contains a few of these things, all the better, right? Salespeople call these things, like I said before, they're, they're deal sweeteners. You know, for instance, when you buy a car, your non-negotiables might be dependability, gas mileage, price, et cetera, you know, things like that. However, if you get all of those things and the car also has Apple CarPlay, power windows, power seats, it makes your decision a whole lot easier, right? Because you're getting bonus things. These are things that you didn't really require, but if they're there, hmm, I'll, I'll take your car over a different car. So when people, by the way, when when folks, this just internally at our company, when people register for one of our classes, we offer them like three 30-minute one-on-one coaching sessions with their instructor as well. They get that for free. It doesn't cost anything. So it's it's kind of a bonus that we give to, to folks. Um, the, the class member didn't expect to have these, these, um, um, these one-on-one sessions with the instructor. But since they're offered, it takes a lot of the risk away from 
from the buying decision. So it's one of those things that not many of our competitors do. I don't know of any of our competitors that do that, but because we offer it, if uh, if it's kind of if somebody is kind of comparing us to somebody else that does public speaking classes, a lot of times they'll choose us just because of that additional deal sweetener that's in there. So when you design your presentations, you want to try to anticipate buying criteria that the audience may not be aware of, and then add some of those items into your presentation as well. So going back to the the software update example that I told earlier, something like um, something like, uh, hey, by the way, we added something else in the that that's kind of cool. <laughs> you know, now when you log in, the software automatically pulls up the project that you were last working on. So you don't have to do any searching for it, that kind of thing. So again, that's not a it's not a a deal maker or a deal breaker, but if it's there, if it makes their job easier, then then that's kind of a cool thing. So the last item, the fourth item, this is the thing that we're going to spend a little bit more time on. It's it's one that's more difficult to anticipate or uncover, but once you do, it makes the persuasion process much, much, much easier. So number four is you want to find out the emotional motive that the person has, the people in the audience have, that would cause them to take action. What is the emotional motive? So um, the, the audience, always, you know, audiences always have two reasons why they agree with someone or buy something from somebody. And, and the first of those two things is that it's got to make logical sense. If it doesn't make logical sense, you know, good luck, right? It's going to be very difficult. The second reason, though, is more emotional. You will actually deliver a more persuasive speech if you uncover this emotional reason up front. You know, for instance, um, if we go back to the software example, reducing double entry of data also reduces human error, right? So that's one of the things that the software update was trying to do is reduce that double entry. And as a result, that will reduce human error. Well, one data entry person may have been reprimanded for human error, for errors, you know, repeated errors, and so might have been rep- reprimanded. Another person might be detail-oriented, but maybe slower on the data entry. So the update allows each of those two people to be more efficient as a result and more promotable, right? So the emotional motive can be difficult to anticipate, um, so let's kind of spend a little bit more time on this because the, the, the emotional motive for each of those two people are a little bit different, right? One is, hey, if, if, they, if that person has already been reprimanded, then the, um, the, the solution will cause that person to have more job security, right? And if the, um, and for the second person that is able to be more efficient, now that that software update can help that person be more promotable because now they're accomplishing more in a, in a lesser, lesser time. So, so um, know your audience basically by anticipating what the possible emotional motive might be. So let me give you some background on where this came from. Uh, in the 1950s, Herman Maslow wrote, wrote that people are motivated to achieve certain needs and that some of those needs take precedent over others, you know, for instance, if a person is hungry or thirsty, all they're going to think about is food and water. (laughs) Nothing else matters. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, you don't really think about anything else. A person, um, um, if a person has the, uh, may have food and water, but if he or she worries about job security, if you don't know when you're going to get your next paycheck, 
then getting that next paycheck will actually consume you, right? So the point is, is that people in your audience are likely to be at different points in that hierarchy and Maslow's hierarchy, hierarchy of needs. So speakers can anticipate where most of them will be. And, um, and if you can do that, if you can anticipate where most of the people in the audience are, are going, what levels they're going to be at, then it's going to make your presentation more persuasive. So basically, the final step sets the professional speakers apart from the amateurs, by the way. The people that can do this are the folks that, that are seen by their audience as being exceptional speakers, because really good speakers make their speech, speeches relatable to audience members at different levels of this spectrum. So by the way, you can learn how to do this very quickly. The process isn't really hard. It just takes a little bit more prep time. And in all fairness, a very, very little extra prep time. So if you, if you kind of do this, but here's the process that I use, um, you can, but basically you can use examples based on two or three of the most common emotional needs. Typically two is all you need. So when you design your presentation, you mix up your types of examples and stories as uh, in order to kind of hit those specific um, high level of hierarchy that each, that different people in your audience may be in. So since, we know that some of the audience members may be at the security level. You basically want to choose a story they, that they are going to relate to. Some of, uh, like, for instance, an example that might be, hey, some of you know that I'm not the most detail-oriented person on the team. In fact, my boss had to correct my data entry work on occasion when I was in your position. So not having to re-enter that data a second time or a third time basically would get my boss off my back, Right. So that would be an example that you could use to show the value of this update. And so that if somebody is actually in that position where they've been reprimanded over that, that um, uh, making human errors, now all of a sudden people see that, oh my God, thank you. That's a great, that's a great update to the software, right? And then, and then somewhere along the way, you might add an additional example maybe one for the belongingness level of, of Maslow's hierarchy. Uh, and by the way, if you're unfamiliar with the hierarchy levels, and you, if you go to the show notes, there's an image that has each one of these different levels that you can kind of look at. It makes it a little bit easier to understand, but just kind of go and click that in the show notes and, and you can see it. Um, so basically, this would be an example, a second example that you could use right after you do the first example, and it will hit a whole new group of people in your audience. So you guys all know that Jane is exceptional at working with customers. She gets very, very high survey results from people that she interacts with, and she, and she gets those results, results because her customers just absolutely love her. However, she also has the shortest call times of anyone on the team. So she gets solutions for her customers very, very quickly. Well, this update should allow each of you to cut your call times down as well. So you can kind of get closer to where Jane is on the, on the, uh, the call time level anyway. So each of those examples add clarity to the, the solution that you're offering, but it also, but each one focuses on a different emotional need. And, and that's really kind of the key. If you can stick examples and stories into your presentation that hit different levels on that hierarchy, then your audience is going to, you're going to be way more persuasive. Your audience is more likely to buy into your results that you're looking for. Okay, so now that we've covered those four 
pieces of information that you need to know about your audience and how to kind of use that information to make your presentation more persuasive. There's one final piece. It's kind of a bonus tip that I'm going to give you. This is one of those things that that will move you into a very elite level of speaker. Only the absolute best speakers in the world find this activity natural. The rest of us have to kind of work at it. But however, once you learn how to do this, you're going to set yourself apart from the average speaker. People are going to see you as being exceptional at what you do when when you speak. So somewhere in your presentation, you want to deliver an example of the problem and the solution, basically. So you go back and recap that problem and then paint a vivid picture of what the solution would look like. An analogy I like to use about like this is, is basically as you are delivering your presentation, you're, you're basically giving your audience a shovel. Basically, you're, you're, through, through most of the presentation, you're allowing the audience to, to, they take that shovel and they dig a hole. So you're telling them about a problem that was there and you basically, in their, they're kind of digging their own hole. And then toward the end, basically what you're doing at the end of your presentation is you lower down a ladder to help them get out of that hole that they just built for themselves based on the information that you've given them. So every time you give an example about a problem that your audience experiences, they think, yeah, that is a problem, right? Once they think that, they just dug the hole a little bit deeper for themselves. Or perhaps you give an example of somebody uh, other than them who have had a success. So basically, you give it a, a, a somebody who has implemented something similar, and as a result, they've gotten success, and they go, "Oh man," they think that should be me next time, right? That I I want to have that success. So that's another shovel full of dirt, right? Eventually, you lower the ladder down, and all you really need to do is recap the solution that you've already covered in your presentation. The more the, the more vivid you make that solution, the more likely they see themselves actually experiencing those successes, the, the more effective it becomes. So, so like, for instance, um, going back to the software example that we've been using throughout the, throughout the presentation here, we could say something like, ultimately, this update means reduced keystrokes. That means that you won't have to re-enter that same data over and over again. This also means that those pesky human errors are reduced. That gets our coworkers and our boss off our backs. And also, you, you get to spend more quality time doing what you do best, helping customers. And by the way, you'll also reduce the average call time. So you spend more time doing what you do best, and it reduces the call time at the same in the same moment. Uh, and it's going to make every one of those customer interactions way more pleasant than what we're used to. And then the last one, which is really the key thing, is finally the increase in survey results is actually going to help you lead to bigger bonuses. I mean, that's really what you're looking for, right? And then you kind of pause, right? So um, basically, what audience member is going to disagree with you if you end your presentation like that? That being able to really paint that vivid picture of what the success looks like, that's where you kind of, as you're saying that thing and you finish with, so that's what your audience, and that's what you're really looking for, right? Once you kind of finish with that phrase, you're going to see people kind of nodding their head up and down and you're going to go, okay, great. They agree with me. And now we can end our presentation. So basically that's, that's one of the really key things, a, a really key format to help you designing a very effective persuasive speech or sales speech or any type of speech where you're trying to get the audience 
to think differently or do something differently. You basically give them reasons why they're going to have success if they do the thing that you ask them to do. So hopefully that's going to be very valuable for you. Um, Make sure and subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already done so. And we'll see you next week on Fearless Presentations. Bye, y'all. week.